Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and I'm joined by the U.S. soccer jersey wearing Rob. Yes. I like it. The stripes and their stars on there, too. Yeah, that's good stuff. One of my favorite jerseys from the last probably 15 years or so. Was that um, was that two years ago? It was. It's very recent. I, I think it was 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Side note: I think the Waldo one is still my favorite one. Mm. I really it's like classic. But this is not the soccer jersey podcast. This is not the soccer jersey podcast. <laughs> this is in fact film for fans. And if you like film for fans, we would ask you do us a favor if you can. Share it with your friends. We would love to hear from you. Um, so do us a favor, share it. If you do, you too could have a jersey collection the size of Rob Dunham's. Yes, you could. You could also go to Ross and probably find a bunch of them. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a good show in store for you. We're going to talk about the all-star cast that's forming for Knives Out. We are going to debate whether The Purge and Saw are still relevant or whether they were just really one-hit wonders. Is, it, uh, is, like, uh, is that actually going to be a debate or are we both going to say the same thing? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about what might be interesting to see in theaters and we'll play another game of box office trivia. So, Rob, are you ready? Uh, you're going to have to excuse me for a second because my notes fell on the ground. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the podcast of professionals. We do this all really well. I would suggest you keep talking until I find them. Yes. Yeah. So our first story, which I will just jump right into. Our first story is that Knives Out is two is building a pretty impressive cast so far. Of course, uh, this is a follow-up to the sequel, Knives Out, which won some Academy Awards. It was really, really well-received. Now, for the second one, Netflix spent over $400 million to buy the rights to Knives Out 2 and 3. They have scheduled Ryan Johnson, who was responsible for the original Knives Out to direct, and Daniel Craig will once again return as the lead detective but they're adding a new cast so just like the last one was driven by a pretty good all-star cast this one looks like it's shaping up to be just as good if not better already on board for knives out too in addition to ryan johnson and daniel craig are dave batista the incomparable ed norton and janelle monet who's been doing more and more movies lately so, Rob, now that you are back, have my prepared, notes. Yes, they were found. <laughs> um, what do you What do you think of the the cast that's being built for Knives Out Two? And is there does this make you feel like it's going to be a better movie, or you still undecided? Uh, I'm not sure if it can be a better movie than the first one, and that's not any indication on the people that are going to be in the second one. More an indication of how good the first one was. And uh, I really do think that this will be a good one though. Uh, 
Ed Norton is one of my favorite actors. So the fact that he's attached to it kind of instantly brings it up several levels in my mind as far as my expectations go. Um, and Janelle Monet is definitely a solid addition to the cast as well. So I, th I think, and Batista has shown that he can act too in several things he's been in. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 uh, comes to mind. That was only a very small role, but he was uh, very believable in that small role. And so I, I think the cast, the way it's going now is headed in a very positive direction. Yeah, it's interesting if we talk about like wrestling stars turned actors, of course you have Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the gold standard, but Dave Bautista is probably number two when you think about it. I mean, John Cena will be in some movies and has been in some movies, but he he hasn't he hasn't earned the clout that Dave Bautista has, and uh, so I, I I do agree. I think he's becoming a more and more solid actor, and someone you can rely on. But you, you're Ed Norton is just what what's going to make this. Ed Norton is fantastic. I love Ed Norton. Like I agree with you. Ed Norton is is one of my favorite actors too. And I still want to see the alternate timeline where Ed Norton's version of the Hulk continues on in the MCU and see what that would have been like. Then you uh, might have gotten crossovers between Dave Bautista and Ed Norton, which would have been interesting. So I, I think it's off to a great start. I mean, Netflix dumping this much money into it as well as the cast they're building. And um, I've not always been pleased with everything Ryan Johnson has done, but he did such a great job on Knives Out that I am very hopeful for the future of Knives Out too. Okay, so for our second story, uh, a bunch of a bunch of articles have been coming out lately, um, in response to the announcement of the Forever Purge, and that one's going to be take place in Texas, and the this Friday debut Spiral from the Book of Saul, starring Chris Rock. And so this got me thinking about these particular franchises. Both of them had a very original, interesting premise uh, to begin with. Uh, for instance, The Purge, the, the basic premise behind The Purge is what would happen if you made all crime legal for a single night and would that cure people of their desire to commit murder if if they could all just get it all out of their system in one night and with saw you had the idea of what happens when you push people to extremes what would they be willing to do and both of them were very unique premises and and led to some unique filmmaking however they've capitalized on their initial movie success and turned them into a significant number of movies over a number of years. Some would say to lesser and lesser success. And it seemed like Saul was done, but in the world of Hollywood, when there is a buck to be made anywhere, there is a new Saul movie. So Rob, what do you make of these two editions and then we can get uh, we can get onto the topic of are they still viable enterprises or are they just a premise carried too far? Got to apologize ahead of time to everyone who's watching or listening this, but 
I'm kind of going like this because we see Saw um, has had some ups and downs (laughs) over the course of uh, the series. Um, I will be honest that I've not really, I've not seen all of the movies in the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first four in particular seemed like they had a pretty coherent storyline that, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of convoluted stuff going on because that's what's going to happen in a core franchise because it's really hard to make multiple movies about the same people or the same act or the same situation and they did a decent job of having slightly different variations of what was happening through each of those movies but the more and more you dig into it the harder it is to come up with something new and fresh and I, obviously, I've not seen Spiral yet, but the review that uh, you sent me, the link was pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the review was like, this movie trash. <laughs> <laughs> they could have just written that, this movie's trash, and then yeah. it could have been the entire review, because that's what they spent the next 12 paragraphs writing. Um, Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson are obviously both good actors, so... If the thing they're in is not good, then the story is probably not good. And I, I wouldn't say I'm overly surprised. Um, I think most of my favorite horror movies are ones that stand alone, are their own story, and that's it. They're not like an, an anthology that keeps growing and growing. And Saw itself has been rebooted a couple times, so it seems like they're trying to keep going back to it over and over again. Um, as far as the purge goes, I will say I've not seen any of them, so <laughs> it's hard for me to give too much of a real critique on them. But uh, the the language in the review of this one seemed to be much more favorable that it was a good expansion of the series, and uh, by all accounts, according to the people involved, will be the last one. But we've heard that before about yes, many yes. different horror franchises. Yes, we yes. There's always another buck to be made. Yeah, I think I think the main thing is, and this is this is repeatedly a problem, is that Hollywood just doesn't always understand that less is sometimes more. And I think that's certainly the case with Saul. I mean, the first one was was definitively a a very intriguing horror movie it had it had lots of mental elements to it it was it was deep and it was dense and there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff to it beyond simply the gore um personally i think that premise was fine where it was and didn't need to go further i think the purge lent itself to a little bit more of an expansion because the first movie takes place, okay, here's a purge. So you're just setting up the rules of the world. Then, I mean, they had one that went back and was like, the first purge, here's how we initiated this thing. Um, but I think the, the concept isn't as well, de- like the intrigue of the concept of the purge is greater than the execution um, that, they, that they make of it. So, um, I think it would be. I think it would be perfectly fine if they both ended at, at this point where they're at. <laughs> I think enough's enough at this point. 
Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch uh, some of the Purge movies and check this new one out, perhaps, so I can get. I mean, it's it's a lot less to have to digest than watching all the Saw movies. So yeah, perhaps just watching these would be a better route to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so our last news item for the day, I found this one to just be both funny and fitting at the exact same time. This is this is the perfect coalescence of of brilliance and poignancy. Wow, there's a lot of big words being thrown out here. I like it. I know. And this is none other than a Fast and Furious 9 story. That's right. We have more. It turns out, now, if you watch the trailer, there was a scene with a car being caught in midair by a plane with a magnet. Yes, we're going with magnetism. In addition to outer space, there is magnetism. It turns out that this stunt was dreamed up by none other than director Justin Lin's nine-year-old son. That's right. This stunt, which made, was so good that it made it into the trailer of the movie, was in fact dreamed up by a nine-year-old. It's just too good because you watched most of the Fast and the Furious movies and most of the stunts you could say, did a nine-year-old think of this? And in this case, it actually happened. Yes, the answer is yes. Apparently, uh, Justin Lin's son, I really have no idea how to pronounce his yeah, name. Yeah, I looked at that and I, I was also Oakway? terrified of that. I don't, I don't even know how to try. Oakway as I, is the closest sure. that I can get for that. Um, but apparently he attended some of the meetings and I love how it says that he'd been around some of the meetings, so he was able to pick up the vibe of what we were doing and the characters. And I'm like, <laughs> how hard is it to say, we're just going to do something ridiculously outlandish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. How could an adult know? This is my nine-year-old. You thought of that. Uh. Yeah. yeah. So apparently they were having trouble figuring out how to do this. And the nine-year-old son who was there in the meeting room playing proposed his idea and boom. There it is. it is. It is very, very fitting for a Fast and the Furious movie that not only did this story come out, but everyone is super proud of that, of this. I mean, good on the nine-year-old. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's going to be a memory. It's lot. stories like this that make the relevancy of the onion less and less every day. <laughs> this is so yeah. true. This is a made-up story, but it's real. Uh-huh. <laughs> that being said, I will definitely be thinking about this when I watch Fast and Furious <laughs> on its opening day as somebody in that theater. So I guess the joke's on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our discussion questions. Uh, so we'll start off with uh, do a little theater update. So now there's a, actually a half decent run of movies in the movie theater. I am pleased to say that uh, my local Regal is opening up on Friday. So that may mean I get to see more of these movies. So we're gonna go over a list of some of the movies that are in theaters that are either in there now or will be as of Friday. And let's, let's just talk about if any of them intrigue us. So the list of movies will be Wrath of Man, uh, which is out now. 
Spiral, the Book of Saul, which we talked a little bit about earlier. It's coming out this week. Nobody, which is the action film from uh, Bob Odenkirk. And Those Who Wish Me Dead, the thriller firefighter action film from Angelina Jolie, which is coming out this week, and Profile, which is an intriguing concept film. And I had I had up my list of I had it up there, uh, but basically this is a uh, a film about someone who is trying to expose terrorists and their recruiting practices online while not be, being seduced herself by some of their online propaganda. And it's intriguing because it looks like it's going to use um, a kind of uh, first person computer uh, type of uh, filmmaking. I'm guessing something similar to um, what was developed for the movie uh, um, Searching, which was all which was all based on uh, screens, screens from computers, phones, any of those type of things. So I'm guessing it's something very similar. So this one could have some intriguing directoral uh, elements to it. So, Rob, of those of those movies, which which ones which ones pique your interest, and what what makes you interested? Uh, well, Wrath of Man is obviously top of my list because of Guy Ritchie, and I know you already saw it. So, yeah. uh, I'll I talk about that. Yeah, I need to see it. Uh, and those who wish me dead, I'm also very interested in because the storyline seems pretty pretty good uh angelina jolie based on the trailers and what i've read of it it basically um is given charge of this child through probably circumstances that are out of her control who other people want to not be alive because i guess he saw something or was a part of something and they want him to not be able to tell a story uh i got like vibes of the second sicario movie a little bit from that and i really liked what that movie did with that concept mm -hmm. and i think that angelina jolie is a very capable actress and i'm i have wanted to see that one since i first heard about it so now that it's coming out i'll be checking it out yeah uh the first uh, one that intrigues me is nobody uh this is one that's been out for a few weeks but i've been hearing very good things about it i've been hearing it's interesting and Bob Odenkirk is always really good. And so this is, this seems like a good action movie that would be right up, uh, right up my alley when it comes to uh, ridiculous action movies. So I'm intrigued by, I'm intrigued by nobody. I'm also pretty intrigued with profile. I think this interesting directoral uh, element, I, I really enjoyed what they did with searching. And, and how that was uniquely filmed and uniquely shot. And so I'm curious to see what the, uh, what profile looks like when it comes to its, uh, its filmmaking. So I think uh, it says, this is, I pulled it up here. The unconventional thriller plays out entirely on a computer screen in the screen life format pioneered by the director. So that, I mean, that right there is enough to get me interested. So um, I have already seen The Wrath of Man and I will be talking about that later. So, 
that's a, that's a pretty good wrap up of, of what's coming out into theaters this week. So if you have a chance and you're interested, get out to the movie theater and check one of them out. If you see something that you like, let us know what you liked and we'd be happy to hear from you. All right, Rob, are you ready to move on to our game? <laughs> Saw, let's play a game. Let's play yes. a game. Appropriate. Tie in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're playing box office trivia. And we've played versions of box office trivia before, but this will be a new take on the box office trivia game. So how we're doing it this time is each of us selected a year. And Rob has chosen 2008. I have chosen 2013. And what we will do is each of us will list off to the other person the top 10 grossing movies of that year. And then what the other person has to do is then pick out which of those movies were in the top five and which order did they come in. So five of the movies that come on the list will be wrong answers and five of them will be correct and then you got to put them in order so you will get one point for picking a correct movie in the top five and an additional point for picking its correct order in one through five and we're going to do this we'll try to pick out five number five through number one try it that way all right rob are you ready uh, am I giving the clues or receiving the clues? I was just going to ask that question. I, why don't I start by uh, having telling you the uh, top 10 from 2008? All right, let's do it. Um, do you have a pen and paper handy? You want to write these down? I will try. I have right. a Your phone. phone. So All right. Okay. So first, Quantum of Solace. Ah. Okay. Madagascar, escape to Africa, escape the number two, Africa, escape to Africa. Okay. The Dark Knight. Oh, interesting. Hancock. Okay. Kung Fu Panda, the first one. Okay. Horton Hears a Who. Huh. Iron Man. Okay. Wow. That's a that's uh, Twilight. Oh, right. Twilight. That's right. Okay. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> he had to say it. He had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> this list proves despite my best efforts that indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull was an actual movie um and the last one is wally okay wow that's a that's a, i know some of these this is going to be a tough list okay um you, you want me to uh, we want to go five to one that's going to be tougher okay um let's see here I think we should not reveal uh, what the person got right or not until they go through the entire five. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm working on it. I think I've got, I, I know what number one is. 
I think I know what number two is. After that, it's a who? It's a guess. <laughs> it is a guess. Oh man. Okay, I've got it. All right. All right. Number five, Wally. All right. Number four, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. All right. Number three, Quantum of Solace. All right. Number two, Iron Man. All right. Number one, Dark Knight. All right. Let's tell him what he wants. Ah, all right. The one you are farthest off on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go from bottom to top here. And uh, okay. the first one you missed was Quantum of Solace. You had it at number three. It was actually number nine. Ooh, see, I would have, I mean, I know it wasn't the best of his trio, but I would have anticipated that doing better than that. Oh, man. Wally, you said number five. Wally was number five. Nice. That's two points. Yes. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you said number four. It was actually number three. So you get one point. Okay. Number four was Hancock. Okay, I knew Hancock was close because we talked about that when we talked about um, Will Smith movies a while ago. Uh, number two, you guessed correctly, Iron Man, two points. And number one, obviously, you guessed correctly, The Dark Knight. So yes. you got seven points out of a possible ten. Wow, I'm, I'm pretty good. That well, I'm pleased yeah. that well. I'm not going to do that well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So for yours, the year is 2013. Let me get my notepad app up here. All right, I'm ready to go. And I can actually uh, write. I have a phone with a. Yeah, oh, so I can actually okay. write. Yeah. All right, go ahead. All right, Man of Steel. Frozen. Frozen. Okay. Gravity. Iron Man 3, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Despicable Me 2, Monsters University, Fast and Furious 6, Star Trek Into Darkness, Oz, the great and powerful. I think that's all 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep, I've got 10. Okay. Ooh. So this is this will be an interesting two. Interesting one, too. Mm. If you went by the poll of four-year-old girls for the last eight years, you know what the answer, number one answer would be. <laughs> if you went just on the nature of four-year-old girls, my two nieces are obsessed with Frozen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say, man. It's a tough one. Yeah, very. Because some, some, there's, 
Yeah, some of these are you've gotten installments on some pretty big franchises. On, on uh, I'm gonna go Hunger Games Catching Fire for number five. Oh, hang on here, I, I better write this down. Okay, number four. Uh, number four, I'm going to say Monsters University. Number three. Three, Frozen. Number two, Man of Steel. Number one, Iron Man three. Okay. All right. So let's see here. The, you had you did pretty well overall. Um, I will say, okay, I'll just go in, in order. Um, so you had Hunger Games at number five. It was in fact, number two. Oh, so you got one point. Yeah, Hunger Games was number two and it was pretty darn close to number one. Hmm. Um, you had number four as Monsters University. That was actually number five. So you weren't too far oh. off on that one. All right. So you got one point for that one. Then you got one point for Hunger Games. All right. Frozen, you had at number three. Frozen just missed the list at number six. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if anything, I would have thought I underguessed that one. So that's surprising. I know. That's why I'm saying, like, it surprised me it wasn't higher given its, you know, post-movie popularity. But maybe that was the thing. It was post-movie popularity. Uh, you had Man of Steel at number two. Man of Steel was number four. So you get, uh, you get one point for that. And you were correct at Iron Man 3 being number one. Well, it's a Marvel movie, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you finished with five points. Not too shabby. Yeah, that's that's pretty respectable showing, and and you, the frozen the frozen one was just that was a tough one because you would have definitely thought frozen was in the top five. Yeah, yeah. that was that was good though. We should do yeah. that again, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think that went pretty well. All right, so let's move on to our watch list. These are movies that we watched over the past week, where we will give you our brief thoughts on what the movies were were like. So, uh, Rob, why don't you go first? Uh, I Let me open my movie watching app to confirm with myself. I think I only watched one new movie. Oh, I watched a couple new movies this week. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I did. Okay. Wow. I, uh, this is why I have this app, because otherwise I forget what movies I watched. It's surprising how easy it is to forget what movies yeah. you watched. It really I also usually watch movies if I really like them and they're new a few times. So that takes up time for other ones. And then yeah um okay i'll so i have three um but two of the one of them i'd seen before so i'll only mention that briefly and that was the whole nine yards which i mm -hmm. mentioned earlier as part of our what you could watch on different streaming services uh segment and i just love that movie i had not seen it in several years and matthew perry and bruce willis are a great team in that movie matthew perry plays the neurotic scared next door neighbor perfectly there's so there's so much funny physical comedy in this movie at one point matthew perry runs straight into a sliding glass door 
That's great. Um, the uh, first new one that I watched, I actually watched uh, in Delaware with my wife's father hmm. as we were there for a couple of days. Uh, Green Zone starring Matt Damon. Okay. It was the first time I had seen that. And it's about the search for uh, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq uh, during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And Matt Damon plays uh, basically one of the main commanders who's involved in this unit going around. They keep on coming up empty on these sites. And uh, it's obviously tied pretty closely to what actually happened, but there's obviously also some license involved. So it's hard to know like 100% what's completely accurate or not, but it doesn't paint a great picture of uh, the US intelligence services and their interaction with the Iraqi government in the last days of the Iraqi government. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was good at keeping a level of suspense through a movie that didn't really actually have, like, it's a war movie, but there was not a war, essentially, if you watch yeah. the movie. Um, the war is more based on the interpersonal war between different branches of the government and military and things along that line. Uh, the other one that I watched, which had been on my list for a while and I'd never gotten around to, despite the fact that the director is one of my favorite directors, was Crimson Peak, mm -hmm. uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, uh, starring um, Tom Hiddleston, is one of the main characters in the movie, and Jessica Chastain is also in the movie, uh, their brother and sister in the movie. And it is a scary movie. It is also kind of a stylized romantic movie so in other words it's a Guillermo del Toro movie yeah <laughs> uh, I've got to say that I'm just I'm a huge fan of his style and his ability to have something that's scary but still bring in fantasy elements into the storyline to give it just that little bit more than just something to scare you in fact this movie is a little bit meta in the fact that the main character is writing a book about ghosts and the concept is it's not just a ghost story. Like there's a love story too. And that's really, like I said, that's pretty much the sensibility of Guillermo del Toro. That's just what he does. Yeah. So I think this was right in his wheelhouse. I, I think this is one that was not as well received critically necessarily by some people, but I definitely enjoyed it and we'll watch it again. So Crimson Peak came out in 2015 um, and I think it's more, yeah. Stars also Mia Wazakowska. Is that how you pronounce her name? I don't even know. Um, she was, uh, she plays the main girl in this movie and she was also in the Alice in Wonderland hmm. uh, movies, the live action ones that Disney did. There's been several other things, but um, Crimson Peak, I would recommend watching. And that one was on Netflix. If you happen to have Netflix, you want to check it out. Okay. Uh, for um, me this week, I got to see one old movie and one new movie. So the new movie I watched was Wrath of Man, which we talked about. Uh, it came out this past week in theaters. And it is a Guy Ritchie film starring Jason Statham. Uh, what is unique and interesting about this is that it is both a revenge film and a heist film. So it kind of crosses both of those action genres and does so pretty well. Um, 
it's not a perfect movie. There are definitely some things that I would say um, left a little bit to be desired for me. It, and we kind of knew this going up as we talked about it, give you a little preview of it last week, but uh, Jason Statham had mentioned that it doesn't feel like a classic Guy Ritchie movie, and it doesn't. It feels more like, more like an action drama uh, than your typical Guy Ritchie. There is, there is some scenes at the beginning which um, I really seem like they attempt to be more Guy Ritchie-like. Um, there's a scene where Jason Statham's character starts working for this uh, armored vehicle company. And, you know, the guy's showing him around and getting him in with all his colleagues. And there's a bunch of banter going back and forth. And it's very typical banter of what you would expect from a Guy Ritchie film. The only downside is that these are all Americans going back and forth with this banter. And it just doesn't sound yeah. the same as it does when it's a bunch of British dudes going back and forth at each other. Yeah. It just loses, it loses a little bit of, of panache when it's coming from American accents. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that, but it just did. It didn't have the same yeah. feel as as his witty banter between main characters uh, often does in his British films. It, it did make a difference. And the other thing I would say that, um, that that left a little bit for me is there were several things in the movie where I didn't understand what was going on or not necessarily what was going on, but like there were several scenes where I did not understand um, that the transition where I didn't understand what the character was doing in that moment. Um, and it didn't seem to make sense. Now it's possible that I missed something and I didn't pick up on it and that would have made the difference. So it's possible that this is on me and I definitely want to see it again. Uh, but there was a couple of motivational things with Jason Statham's character and how his setup starts and how he gets into place where he is that still don't make sense to me as I, as I think about it. And I'm usually someone who can follow, follow mm. movies pretty closely where I can think back through it and identify it. So I still have not been able to do that. So maybe this is on me, uh, in which case I will apologize to the film. Um, but there's, there's the classic good things. There's classic action. Uh, Jason Statham is excellent. Uh, Holt McElhaney is one of the other main characters. You might know him from the show Mindhunter on Netflix. Uh, he was really good. Also, there was the reappearance of Josh Hartnett. I had not heard of Josh Hartnett mm. in a long time, but Josh Hartnett was in this movie. Um, so there were, there were a few things that I thought were a little anticlimactic, but I really did enjoy the intrigue of the combination heist-revenge, where he's trying to get his revenge and while he's in the middle of this, this action heist thing going on. So it, it's certainly worth seeing. It's certainly worth going to. It was, um, it was a good movie. It just, it just missed on a couple of things for me. So for me, it's not going to be at the top of the echelon when it comes to Guy Ritchie movies, but certainly worth going to see. Yeah, I'll still check it out to see what I feel as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to hear somebody else's take on it. Yeah. And uh, I still want to see it again because I want to see if I missed something. Uh, the second movie I watched was an older movie uh, from 1995, Apollo 13. Classic mm. movie. 
Tom Hanks, Bill Paxson, um, Kevin Bacon. Uh, really, really good movie. It details the uh, failed uh, mission of Apollo 13, where there was an explosion on the ship and they had to turn around and not go to the moon. And it really became a battle for survival. So this was just an absolutely brilliant film. Extremely well-directed, acting was superb. Um, the, from the plots to the, they really, really captured your attention the entire way through the movie as they detailed all the little things that they had to do just to keep these people alive. And on top of that, just to bring in the human element of it, um, you have the instance where Tom Hanks is just screaming out on an open mic and doesn't realize he's on an open mic uh, to, the, to the time where they all just decide to pull their biomed sensors because they're tired of NASA, you know, telling them to get some sleep because they can read their temperature. Um, just really, really well done. And this, at the time I saw this, I saw it in theaters when it originally came out. I was just a young guy. And at the time I knew, I thought it was the best movie I'd ever seen to that point. And it's still a really, really fascinating movie. I, I love it. And I think it's, it's aged super well. Uh, and there's always a benefit whenever you're doing a period piece, it's supposed to look like that period. Uh, but it really, really, I, I think it's held up really well over the years. Yeah, it's classic for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so to wrap this up, uh, we are going to give you recommendations. These are films that we think you might want to check out if you have time and inclination, and you should because we think they're great. Uh, so this week's theme is we are going to go with favorite biopics. So just one to two of, of our favorite biopics that we think you should have a look at. Side note, I, th I think I've heard this word pronounced biopic and biopic both ways several times by various people. So if anyone wants to chime in with the official pronunciation, I would appreciate it. But we're going to go with biopic because that's what Ryan said. Yes, and I did get a <laughs> comment on YouTube a few weeks ago, which I could not access for some unknown reason, mm. with links to Gal Gadot. Gadot I still, yeah. I still can, yeah. with her pronouncing her name. So we did get links on YouTube for thank you for those of us who are trying to help yeah. us out on that front. Gal Gadot or something Gal Gadot. like that. So yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I didn't take Hebrew, so I, I struggle with that. All um, right. I've, Go got, I've got two that came uh, out 10 years apart from each other. The first one is a movie that came out in 2007 called Into the Wild. And it stars Emile Hirsch as Christopher McCandless, who, if you don't know the story, is basically a guy who um, decided to give up everything involved with the modern world and go to Alaska and just live in the woods. And he ends up finding himself in a abandoned bus in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, which is like a premise that makes you go, that's crazy. How could you possibly come up with such a premise when in reality, this person actually did this thing. Yeah. And I will say the one thing about the movie, it has received a fair amount of criticism because it paints him in I guess kind of a heroic light when really a lot of the stuff he did was really dumb and dangerous to himself and dangerous to other people um, because they had to go out and rescue him, um, which, you know, basically <sighs> he had a death wish in a lot of ways, it seems. Uh, I think that comes across in the movie as well, but um, 
it's not a story about someone who should be like idolized i would say and maybe that's what makes it a good movie because it makes you look up the story and and ask your own questions about what this guy did um again it's into the wild um the other one that go ahead if i I think this is the first movie I saw Kristen Stewart in. If I remember, mm, yeah, Kristen Stewart is in this movie. And I, if I remember, I think Eddie Vedder did the soundtrack for that, and I remember yeah. really liking the soundtrack in that movie. Yeah, stylistically, it's a very well done movie, and uh, the shots in the actual Alaskan wilderness are definitely a big part of that, and the music is definitely really good as well. Um, the other one that I wanted to mention was I, Tanya, which came out in 2017, starring Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. Um, Sebastian Stan is amazing in this movie as Jeff Belulli, Tanya Harding's boyfriend. And this movie is just so messed up. But so, so helps paint a slightly different picture of Tanya Harding. Not that you leave, you do not leave the movie thinking Tanya Harding was the good person and the and the right character in the scenario with everything that happened to her, but it gives you just more of a deeper understanding of where she was coming from and the stress she was under and her, how her life was just messed up ever since she was a little kid. Um, doesn't excuse what she and Jeff did to Nancy Kerrigan in uh, the Olympic trials, but it does give you just a little bit of an idea of what was happening there. And definitely gave me a broader perspective on it. I mean, the, the movie even states itself, like they have Tanya's character say she's not looking for sympathy. She's not looking to be viewed as the good person in this scenario. <laughs> Just that there was more to it than was presented to the public. And you always wonder, you know, how much is true or not in, when you're focusing on one person. But it did seem like they intentionally wrote this in a way that doesn't just glorify her or make her look good. Like it presents her as a flawed person. And I think that's why it's one of the better biopics I've seen recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have I have a couple that I picked out. The first one is Steve Jobs. And I really, really enjoy this movie. I, I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, but um, I think while while the individual scenes are written and made up, I think they do a great job of distilling his character, the character of Steve Jobs, and really getting at some of the essence that that he was. Like he was this unbelievable creative genius who was simultaneously a jerk and extremely well loved (laughs) and how he managed to bring out the best in people, the best in his company while constantly battling his own, his own flaws and his own, and his own issues. Um, It's, it really, it's a really tightly written movie. It's a great script from Aaron Sorkin and it takes place over three scenes prior just prior to his three of his famous product launches uh so it does a great job of carrying through his time and showing some of the evolution of his character because he really did evolve as a person throughout the course of his life uh i think it focuses a little bit too much on the relationship with um um his 
his first daughter and and her mother and it it goes a lot into that drama because that was a very drama filled relationship it doesn't even mention at all like the stable family he had the rest of his life <laughs> uh but it's a really well done movie and it's really intriguing uh the second one that and i believe that's still on netflix if you're interested in that one i think it's still on netflix uh, the second one I picked was uh, 1970 movie Patton. Uh, this is the biopic about uh, George S. Patton, the famous U.S. general, and this takes place during his, the World War II phase of his career. Patton was another one of these characters who had extreme strengths and extreme weaknesses played out almost simultaneously. So he was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant military commander who nobody could stand. <laughs> and he was, his men loved him. Uh, everyone around him couldn't stand him. Uh, he was capable of incredible victories on the battlefield, but could not and would not navigate the politics necessary um, as part of the leadership command and could not tolerate weakness. At one point he gets in trouble for slapping a, uh, a soldier who was in the army medics unit because he was having shell shock. And that gets him demoted. And uh, what's fascinating about it is the, the Germans were absolutely, were so scared of Patton uh, that the US actually used that as a diversion tactic to get the, the Germans focused on areas away from Normandy, because they all just assumed that Patton would be the one who led the attack, but they didn't understand how Patton was not real popular amongst the other leadership generals, but does a great job showing both his strength and his weaknesses. George C. Scott does an awesome job as General Patton. So if you like war films and if you like history, this is a great one for you. I did just double check and Steve Jobs is still on Netflix. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I did have a side question that is uh, not necessarily in the notes, uh, but have you seen the other Steve Jobs movie, Jobs with Ashton Kutcher? By any chance? It's on my list, but I have not gotten around it. Around so I'm very intrigued in the differences, strengths, relative weaknesses of both of those compared to each other. So yeah, I'll have to watch that this week. Yeah. It's something we talk about in the future, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, I like it. All right. Well, that is the show, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Film for Fans podcast. Like I said, if you like it, share it with your friends. Also, do us a favor. Subscribe. Uh, whatever podcasts are found, like our YouTube channel. Send us comments through the website or on any of the podcast platforms. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And visit filmforfans.com where we've got articles and updates and you can watch the podcast on there as well. Uh, so until next time, everyone, enjoy the movies. Anyone would like to send me some tape so I don't lose my show notes again, I'd appreciate that too. Yeah, definitely yeah. do that. <laughs>